Today on Movie Wallers, we talk about Mortal Kombat, Godzilla vs. Kong, Ammonite, and Thunder Force. Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. We're together again. Together, back, together. Back, back in the studio, Back actually. in the, yes. The, the studio that is Rashmi and I's house. We recorded last time. Well, we did the, the Oscar Live podcast from Yes, 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 place, yes so. which was super fun. Just, I want to say thank you for yeah, everyone you. who tuned yeah. into that. I think it was so much fun. Yes, I, I, I think we had a couple of technical difficulties. I think we got used to the commenting as we went along. But yeah, um, I think our timing was a little off because the stream was running. Yeah, mm-hmm. a bit ahead of us. I don't know what to do about that because I think Facebook introduces a delay when you do a live stream. So, if, and if, if you have, you think about it. We've got a stream up to the cloud, and then the cloud has to rain that back down on people who are watching. So yeah. there's a natural delay. But Maybe it was, we I think ask it was a bit everyone annoying. to uh, pause their DVRs for the time of the delay, and then then we'll be in sync. It's a big ask, Rashmi. It is a big ask. <laughs> it's like yes. find out. But then about you the get Oscars. to listen to us at the same time and join I'll, in because I'll, then we can comment live with you. <laughs> and thank you to Yasti for being such a wonderful host. What we didn't film afterwards was the amazing dinner that we had. Oh, yes, the, yeah. What did we have? I don't even oh, remember. Oh, the salmon. Oh, salmon, yes. yes. So nice. good. Yeah. Oh, did yourself. No, it was nice. I, uh, yeah, I, I think it was good. It was good considering we, this was our first time. And it was less than 24 hours that we decided, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a moment of spontaneity of, of like, what are we going to do here? And will yeah. anyone watch? But no, thank you. Um, thank you, everyone. That, that kind of saw the instagram posts and took the time to to watch uh it was a lot of fun um i think you know we we might try doing something like that again so um thank you that was that was great the oscars themselves were interesting i think um let's not talk about them anymore are you done with them i'm so done with them now because it's you get like that though you do you're you're like okay they're done move on yep let's figure out what's happening the following year so this year is going to be a short year Oscars. Yes, that's that's what I assume. Unless you I know, hope so. unless somehow the pandemic comes back, God forbid, you know, and movies can't be released again this year. But hopefully not. Fingers There's crossed. There's enough coming out. I mean, yeah, if no, you think about is. what's mm-hmm. what's going on, I think on a lot of stuff moment. got held back. Yes, like because oh, yeah. of pandemic. Correct. So I think the theaters. The whole industry, I guess, is still trying to figure things out. I know we've lost a couple of big theater chains here in Southern California, so um, that, that's yeah. probably my soapbox for the tip for today. Which is like, I'm very sad get, about get the your ass back to theaters if you yeah. can, because um, you know, especially if you're vaccinated and you know, if you have a theater near you that has a good cleaning protocol, you know, I think the big chains. I'm a little worried about the 18 year old. <laughs> high school kid that may not necessarily take his cleaning duties as seriously but if you have a little kind of you know artisan or um uh, independent independent theater there that, these people count on our revenue so you know get your butts back to those movie theaters i, I want these to to succeed and i know the movie industry has been patiently waiting well they didn't wait for tenet but they've been waiting for bond 24 
uh, the latest, you know, James Bond movie. They've been also waiting. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. They've been waiting for the Top Gun sequel. They've yes. been waiting for. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson's movie. They've been waiting for. Um, Fast and Furious. Yes. And I they've also been waiting for the sequel to A Quiet Place. So a lot of movies coming your way. Oh, Soon. goodness me. I completely forgot that yeah. that was coming. Yeah. You know why? <gasps> no sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. Did gosh. you say a peep? So, do those movies have release dates yet, or are we? Are I they think they all have. They all have release dates now. I think they're all clustered towards November, with some coming in late summer. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then there are prestige movies. Steven Spielberg's doing a remake of West Side Story. That's right. Then, we yeah, saw an advert for it during the Oscars. Yeah. Hopefully, this year we'll see a path to recovery for. The industry, um, you know, we've, we've made do. We've done a lot more streaming um, than we've ever done in the past. And that kind of works. But um, my cousin told me I today, want- who's based in London, um, mm-hmm. I won't give her a name out. But um, she told me today she's finished Netflix. <laughs> I said, that's impossible. I said, what about Amazon Prime? She said, yeah, that too. I, I know people I who said, claim no, that they've finished Netflix. I don't think you Netflix. have. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix actually is doing this thing now have you tried it yes i just heard about it on friday they're piloting this thing where they recognize the analysis paralysis that people haven't remember joe we, and yesterday have we had well we did a whole segment for a long we time did. i can't find anything to watch Correct. on netflix. netflix um because of that whole game that we would play of like doot, doot, Looking it through the whole list. me bonkers. So they're trying to oh, address I love that. It. They've, yeah. they've recognized that a lot of people will spend their entire evening flip, flipping through um, and putting options, things in their list. Adding things into their queue and not actually watching anything. So they've got a kind of a, a, a channel, like your own personalized channel based on their recommendations for you that will just play content. So here's a question. So I Wait, like so that. What do you mean, play content like random clips so from movies? So you go into Netflix, you that you you hit so watch like something. So it's like free programming, but so, it, they've yeah. arranged it for you based on the choices that you make. Because something that drives me crazy, Rashmi, is that you'll often watch movies that are available on Netflix on terrestrial television. Or Plex, because we've bought them with ads, and I'm like, why are you watching it with ads? Because when I don't mind the ads. I hate unlike the ads. Joe. I hate the ads. I Do you? Ads. I find it like a nice rest. I hate the way that the volume goes up. I hate the way that they cut out bits of the movie sometimes to, to accommodate an ad. It's a great rest. But you you see it as a mental break. I see it as a You're mental like, break. Because you know what? I give everything my 100% attention. There's a pause button for things like that. Yeah, but then you never know when to press it. Because you're in it and you're doing it. And so you're not going to pause. Whereas the natural break with an ad is like, oh, oh, I can have a rest. I can't deal with it. I really, I never want to see another ad uh, if I could help it. So. Joe pays for YouTube. I do. And all sorts of other services to get rid of ads. Yeah, I, I pay uh, extra $4 a month on Hulu to not, not have, have ads. the ads. Yeah. yeah. See, it's I don't it. mind them. Oh, no. And it's I like, just, I like when I like, no, because I like some of the theme tunes, unless they're pop songs that have been retooled, which I don't like. And I mentioned that during the Oscars you did. show. But I, I just, do like the songs. I do. I like the idea of if I'm watching a show, I want it to be done in 21 minutes. I don't want to be 28 minutes. So then that's one. Where ex- are you going? One extra episode you can Where watch you in going? the hour. 
if I have just one hour late at night before I go to bed. You can watch two episodes can, for the price of one if, right. if you cut out the ads. <laughs> but then you don't know what toilet paper brand to buy. Oh, I think, I think I'll be okay. I, I can do my own research for that. <laughs> Anyway. anyway, yes, yes, indeed, Rashmi. Obviously, you you watch the ads for the educational value. Not I the... like the music sometimes, <laughs> and I like those Gillette ads that make me cry. Anyway, let's come you back. You guys are in a combat on this issue. <laughs> yes, yeah, so indeed. let us talk about Mortal Kombat. Great segue, Yazdi. <laughs> he was planning. That he was. Great, that was yeah. great. That was. He made that. That might have been one of the good one of the good segues that we've had. I try. All right, <laughs> take it away. So, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you would be very familiar with the video game Mortal Kombat. Um, um, so, this is the latest, I, I guess there were like 18 or 20 movies made, uh, you know, starting with the original one, which came out, I think, in the 90s. Uh, but uh, this is a reboot of the whole Mortal Kombat franchise. And um, the one-line summary is that the that MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. If that means something to you, good for you. It doesn't mean anything to me because I'm not <laughs> into Mortal Kombat. I, I have not seen the movie, but I will let you know that it's directed by first-time director Simon McQuoid. And uh, the writing credits are quite a few. So the writing credits are Greg Russo and David Callahan with story by Oren Uziel and Greg Russo. And then the video game um, creators, Ed Boon and John Tobias, are also credited. And uh, the cast is mostly up-and-comer new ones. Louis Tan plays Cole Young in the lead role. Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, Joe Taslim. Macard Brooks and others round out the cast. So for neophytes who never knew what Mortal Kombat was about, tell us what we are missing. Okay, so I've been talking about this one for quite a while because I am a huge Mortal Kombat fan, um, the game, and then I love the world and I just got so enthralled by it and I like the characters and I think I may be the only person in the universe or the galaxy who liked the hammy original mm-hmm. movie. Anyway, so... When the trailer came out, I watched the trailer, I think, 17 times. Mm. And I am pleased to say that the joy of watching those scenes in the actual movie were thrilling. I loved this movie. And in fact, I watched it again because it's on HBO Max. I actually watched it twice. Uh, because Wait I a minute, you watched it twice again or you watched it once and then once I again? I watched it once and then once again. And then I snuck back and I watched a couple of scenes. Okay. Um, this is, look, it's not a good movie in terms of, <laughs> let me just let me just put that right out there, right? This isn't War and Peace or, you know, House of Flying Dragons, but, dragons, but it, I, these are the things I like about it. It has a good backstory that feels very Japanese in its sensibility, like House of Flying Daggers, like Kung Fu Hustle, um, but it's got, you know, great action karate choreography, I like the backstories of everyone. Um, the effects are fantastic. They gave me goosebumps. I can talk and talk uh, talk about this. I loved it. We can talk more about it once you've given your um, your summary. summary, Joe. So, uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat. I mean, this was not 
it, despite the fact that I guess of the two of us, I'm the one that was way more into video games than you. I think um, Mortal Kombat was a franchise that I struggled to love. It felt like it was, you know, born of the marketing department rather than it. Um, what I was looking for in a video game, which was, you know, really good game design and, and things like that. But nonetheless, it was very popular. And the movie in the 90s really capitalized on the fun aspects of it. It had a really pounding um, like soundtrack, which this one doesn't. And I kind of miss that. Although it does pay homage. It does kind yeah. of give a little nod and a wink to, to have that good. Because that, 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 that's when I think of the Mortal Kombat movie from the 90s that's what i think of yeah. i think of that two unlimited soundtrack yeah. which is just dun, dun, so dun, much dun, fun dun, 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 dun. so yeah. um i didn't have a whole lot of expectations i think generally speaking video game movies suck uh, yeah. and that's that's just me as a, a, a gamer i feel like these worlds don't necessarily translate to the big screen especially when you have something like this with like a million characters and a lot to introduce so it had its work cut out for it that said this movie opens brilliantly. The prologue is expertly done. It's as good as anything that I can remember. I mean, it really it really has an amazing opening. It's available on YouTube, actually. Um, IGN.com, which is a website I follow, has the, the full prologue of the movie, um, which kind of sets up the story. Unfortunately, the movie kind of went downhill from there. Um, that's not to say it was bad. I just feel that um, the rest of the movie ended up being sort of carried by one really obnoxious character, but he was a scene stealer. Um, he was a lot of fun to watch. Other Kano. Kano, yes. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other characters, including the main, the central guy, I felt um, were just a little wishy-washy. That said, I think there was a lot of stuff in here for fans. It had all of the... The game was very famous for its violence and fatalities. Right. And this, yes. this movie, it did that in, in more than a PG-13 so way. I mean, I don't know what the actual it's rating R. on this is. It's, it's a hard okay, It is an yeah. Okay, good. Because it, it the, the original movie from the 90s was very much a PG-13. Here, they're like, you know what? Let's do Blood and Guts. And they do it... So well. Really imaginatively. Yes. Like, there's some great use of special effects, including, you know... Freezing, yeah, and hearts being torn out, and all sorts of like, but it's all all done in in the spirit of of the game. So, I thought this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed every moment of it. I'm, I feel robbed that I didn't see it on a big screen because it would have really amped up its energy in the big screen. But it was, this was a lot of fun. I agree. I mean, I agree with you, Joe. But I think that prologue sets up the rest of the movie enough that it carries all the way through um and i do like um that they had some really clever effects not just the gruesome stuff but some of the moves the actual choreography of the fighting was very much game-like um and it didn't feel over cgi'd even though it was super cgi'd um it it, it played flawlessly Ooh. yeah no the the effects were a step on so I, I really, good um they they you know we were limited, I guess, in what we could do in the 90s um, in terms of CG and, and visual effects and those things. It feels like like 90s was the dark ages. It really wasn't. I mean, we had really great special effects, but this movie was just next level. It was yeah. very believable visual yeah. treat and, and everything. Like you say, the, the, the combat actually really did feel like the fast and furious, frantic game play type fighting like it was like you know punch punch kick kick defend defend you know 
But um, even just the fact that in the game you can go low, medium, high with a kick. They did all I noticed that they did the same lots thing of, with, you know, really nice lots of little... Easter eggs, yeah. Yeah, which was so good. Yeah. And then, um, you're right, Joe, I thought that uh, the character Kano had a lot of current pop culture references that are really funny and added enough lightness to the movie. Otherwise, I think it would have been quite a hammy movie. It would have played kind of like the 90s version. But it managed to say, stay shy of that. And I just love, so here's the other thing that I loved about it, is that the bad guys look really bad. And um, they look really evil. The the, the women look evil. They kick ass. Yeah. I I just love how um, it it just felt very well realized. Again, look, this isn't isn't a great movie in terms of storyline and arc and such like but but it's worth watching if you're a fan of the game or you have any um interest in in the world it's completely worth your time and i didn't mind watching it on the big screen in our house with the sound system like but you're uh, right i think on a big screen you would have probably ended up giving it an extra point yeah I mean, yes, if we convinced you at least yeah or? yeah yeah for sure one of the uh, only of the podcasts that I listen to regularly, the Pop Culture uh, Happy Hour one on NPR, um, they were mentioning during their review as well that kind of there was always a disconnect previously between the video game and the Hollywood version of the movie because those necessarily had to be PG-13, whereas the video game, I understand, is all about these really elaborate fatalities. Correct. And so, you know, whereas in the video game, there was these gruesome comic comic book-like killings very ingenious ones they could never kind of realize that in the movie but then this one with their with their choice to you know just kind of embrace that uh, in this version that they're able to do it uh, and get considerably more gory uh, but not gory in a like gratuitous well probably in no, a very gratuitous way but not not in a very serious way i presume correct i right. mean it's 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 not like you know a believable pain it's just like you know, really inventive uses of like superpower. So yeah, you know, like the, the Sub Zero guy can freeze anything, you know, at will. So yeah, like a blood splat might be frozen and then turned back into a weapon. A dagger, yeah. Somebody, you know, it's so like all good. sorts of great, fun, inventive stuff like that. Yeah, so. it was so imaginative. Yeah, I mean, I can sum this one up: not a flawless victory, but Mortal Kombat wins. Solid seven out of ten. I was almost going to give it an eight just because I had so much fun. I'll give it an eight. It's an eight out of ten. <laughs> I just had so much fun watching it, and it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't crush me. You know, like I was so excited to watch it, and it followed through. Yeah. It was joyful. It was a joyful movie to watch. Not funny, haha. Just joyful. Yeah, don't don't come to this, and you and you won't. You would be a fool if you came to this for kind of deep and meaningful, artful writing. This is just a fun time at the movies, and it does exactly what it does. I think, you know, the critics have been a little snooty about it. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes with like you know fifty percent score, those critics. but the audience score again. This this one to me is very telling. I think this movie is made for the fans, and I think if you have the interest, it does its world building really well, and I kind of enjoyed. Uh, being part of it there's a few too many characters for us to have any real um 
you know storytelling behind any of them but it sets itself nicely up for i think what will be a series oh, i hope so of movies. i hope and so. this particular rendition of that universe is is spot on it's exactly what i hoped oh, it would be so i think yeah again, you know i'm gonna give it a, a, a very stingy seven out of ten because honestly i'm I, I think i enjoyed it more than that but um it's mortal combat after all i mean it's you know i can't <laughs> i can't pretend that this is you gonna have universal appeal it won't but if, if you have any any grain of interest in this go see it it's fun all right <coughs> excuse me movie number two then of the week is godzilla versus kong so i guess rashmi you're gonna give us a quick i am i am um i mean are we ready for another rendition of godzilla um in this one legends collide um, as these mythic adversaries meet in a spectacular battle for the ages with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. Um, <clears throat> so this is directed by Adam Wingard and it is written by Eric Pearson and Max Bornstein. And um, it has a whole host of people, including Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry. They actually convinced a lot of people to be in this movie um, amongst a whole host of others. And this was actually the first movie, um, thanks to Beth, our friend, good friend Beth, um, who actually hired a, a theater in one of the cinemas. This was our first foray post-vaccination for all three of us to be in a movie theater together. And that was actually a wonderful experience. So, Yazdi, what did you think of Godzilla versus um, Kong? And remind me, I know Joe and Yazdi both liked King Kong. I love King Kong. And yes. remind me, did you like the previous two Godzillas? So maybe you can... Well, are we talking about King Kong or Kong Skull Island? Which Kong, is, Kong Skull which Island, is the, yeah, which is the okay, precursor to this. Yes, that's, that's the same universe. That's the same universe. It's the same Kong. So yes. maybe you can kind of give our, give our listeners a bit of a... Just how you park those three movies then. Because it, they're kind of all precursors to this one. Yeah, I liked, I liked the... Um, I've I've not seen the second Godzilla movie that came out as part of this current reboot, re-enhancement, whatever you want to, whatever uh, word you want to use for it. But I I did love Kong uh, Skull Island a lot, and I did like that first Godzilla movie as well. I did not see the second one. Um, it, okay, so there's different ways to rate Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> I think if you are going to see you know, two of the arguably biggest monsters, you know, in, in the history of cinema, that being King Kong and Godzilla, in the monster universe, like, battle it out. The movie really delivers. It delivers um, in spades. It is not, you know, surprisingly, the previous movies, either of the... Go and, and by previous, I mean the ones which came out in the last five, six years. The ones with Godzilla or the ones with Kong were very stingy with the battles they almost always happen towards the end of the movie in this one you know right at i think 15 or 20 minute mark we see godzilla and kong go at it and then they go at it again and then they go at it again so if you're there to see godzilla and kong king kick ass with each other you you definitely get your money's worth i have a lot of quibbles about the movie otherwise i think you know considering how much they had before just from these last movies released in the last five, six years, these richness of characters and past stories and everything. They've kind of put so much plot into this with brand new characters. They never brought any of those characters back. Um, 
And the other thing which is really unforgivable for me is the dialogue is just howlingly bad. It's just <laughs> awful. I mean, I felt, I hope those people got at least decent cars out of it because, you know, or, or, or a property or a house because you you should not be asking Rebecca Hall to say, say this dialogue or Alexander Skarsgård. So fun, fun, fun for the visuals. But once you start looking at it in a little bit more detail, and maybe you shouldn't on a Friday night, yeah, uh, it doesn't hold up very well. Joe? You know, I've been I've been really hungry for. I mean, every time I go and see one of these movies, I say to Rashmi, like, please let this be good. I'm I'm you know I'm looking for the. Yeah, I'm at the point where I I was with Batman movies until. Um, you know, oh my God! Are the, we going to do a podcast until, with no, until Christopher Nolan? <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm just I'm at that point where I was constantly disappointed with yeah. the rendition of the character until I got what I wanted, which was a particular rendition in Batman Begins, and I keep wanting to see a Godzilla movie that is that is truly magnificent because he's such an icon of cinema. I think we've had a couple of decent Kong movies. Um, and so I was hoping that, you know, the, the, the building, building on the success and the tone of Kong Skull Island would be something that they would do here. Um, yeah, Yazdi, you get your money's worth if you want to see these Titans clash. I mean, go. <laughs> this is like crash bang. It's exactly, it's exactly what you expect when you think about these two guys meeting. But yeah, the movie overall is kind of a disappointment. And I think um, it is in the writing. It's, it, it feels kind of clumsy and uninteresting. And I, I was really kind of heartbroken to, to not find myself really caring more about the outcomes of all this destruction and, and battle and, than I did. Skull Island was just so much fun. The godlike presence of Kong in Skull Island, the cinematography in that. There is a couple of like, and I think they will go down in history as among the best shots in monster movie history. Like when, when Kong appears on the horizon, with the helicopters, it's all yeah. very kind of apocalypse. That that gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, right? The heat haze and all. We didn't have any of that kind of beauty here. It was just, you know, a big, dumb monster movie. So overall, disappointing. I'm still waiting for my, my amazing Godzilla movie. I didn't like Gareth Edwards' rendition either from a few years ago. I think people like that a lot. I liked um, it. I, I was like, I want more Godzilla. So, you know. Yeah, not much to add. I, I have to say I liked watching it on a big screen and I wasn't upset when we walked out of the cinema in terms of what I saw because I wasn't really expecting too much going in. I didn't love Skull Island and I definitely didn't love the Godzillas before. I think what saved this for me, not making it a terrible movie, was I did like that it started to explore this relationship between a little deaf girl and a huge monster like Kong. Right, that remember that little girl who's mm -hmm. signing, and somehow she has, you know, the key to the the monster. She gets it. Um, I liked how it was exploring this relationship between, you know, beast and man, and I think Millie Bobby Brown was a good injection of fun and lightness, but it was just totally inconsistent the entire way through, and I couldn't figure out. Um, I, I just couldn't figure out the purpose of it until it becomes like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then it, it just falls flat on its face. It's just a really tonally inconsistent movie overall. It doesn't have much of an arc. Again, it plays by the old tropes of, you know, corp big bad corporation um, in it for money. Um, 
some science to configure out the key. There's nothing new here. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was, I guess not disappointed because I wasn't really expecting much from it because I didn't enjoy the last ones. But it, I mean, considering how much money has probably been spent on this movie, it just seemed lazy. Yeah, I mean, visually, I cannot fault it. Yeah, visually, it. it's, it's just, exactly. It's just gorgeous. I, you know, I mean, it's very well realized. So whatever money they spent on, you know, the, programmers. the CGI and yeah. the programmers in China and India and US and wherever, I think that was money well spent. I just I just think they had an, op like, you know, the, the Skull Island version had Tom Hiddleston in it and it had... Uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson and it yeah. bring back those characters. If you could pay them the first time, pay them now. Yeah. Instead, you're generate you're building this whole other group of characters who, for the most part, are literally speaking aloud what you're seeing on the screen. Like they're they're passing a commentary. Oh my God, that's Kong. Oh my God, I wonder who's going to win. It's like oh, I was just squirming in my chair thinking, <laughs> how did this how did this dialogue even get passed? But yeah. I think and yep. especially, Yasti, when you've got greats like Damien Bashir and, and Kyle Chandler. And, I mean, you're giving them really hammy lines. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think for me personally, as much as I love to watch these monsters wreak havoc, it always means a little bit more if it's tethered with a human character, you know, yes. that you kind of believe in. And there was nobody here, nobody. I mean, that girl maybe comes close. That girl also had some, anyway, I'm not even going to go there. There was some weird, like, uh, cultural appropriation thing going on. Yeah, She's, I didn't understand it. I didn't it. understand yeah. that. There was, and then I think the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, if people were, you know, the name of the movie is Godzilla versus Kong and, you know, you do find out who wins. So I'll, I'll give them, I'll give them that, that, you know, the movie doesn't kind of piddle out and say, oh, they become friends at the end. I mean, there, <laughs> there is a winner between Godzilla versus Kong. If Can you counts. remember? I can't even remember who <laughs> it was. Oh, see, I can't. I can't even remember. <laughs> so so there's that. But, um, you know, great on visuals, but lacking almost everything else. But I, I so did enjoy the fight sequences between the two monsters. The first one is all done underwater and it's it's breathtaking. It really is. Yeah. And I think there's some good memorable scenes. Like there's this great scene of Kong tied mm -hmm. to a, a, like on a barge. Mm -hmm. um, that whole sort of well, enslavement. That's of, well, that's very, very, very reminiscent of the 19, the, yes. the early, the black and white. I forget exactly, what year it was yeah, made. But yeah. that, that whole bringing him to... Civilization. Just, yeah. I mean, just disappointing. It's so lazy. They have the biggest budget for these movies. No, I mean, look, this this is a, a popcorn movie through and through. And I think, again, like with um, the Mortal Kombat franchise, I think anyone going into this expecting high art is, is going to come away disappointing. But no one, no one goes to see Godzilla versus Kong with an expectation of, of high art. So it needs to be entertaining. And I feel like it missed that, that critical entertaining thing yeah. that Skull Island did so well. You know, it, it said, right, we're going to have, you know, some real fun with these characters. They're going to have some great dialogue, some, yeah. you know, really great um, cultural, um, you know, it's, there's a very witty humor in, in Skull Island um, that had a lot of social commentary kind of, buried within the, the, the little quips and, and snips that the characters had. 
Um, it, this didn't seem to have any of that intelligence behind it. So, big dumb monster movie does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Uh, six out of ten for me. Yes, D. Six out of ten for me as well. I, I will give it that this movie, for better or for worse, has sort of energized a very pallid, anemic, you know, performance of cinema in general in America, you know, due to the pandemic. And it seems like when this movie was released, it kind of injected a shot of adrenaline and, you know, a lot of people. The movie was simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max. And so a lot of people saw it. It got, you know, it, I'm sure they made more, their, more than their money's worth. And I think, you know, a little talky movie about, you know, Queen of England is not going to bring people to that place. And a big, dumb, great-looking monster flick is going to do that. And it did that. So I think from that perspective, it did it. But like you, Rashmi, I just feel on top of this, if you would have just had a better script, this could have been so much better yeah. than it already is. Yeah, or better editing even, maybe one less character. Oh, it was so just, I mean, there was a great, like a QAnon-esque conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was all in here. Uh, five out of 10 for me. No yeah. one wins. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No but, one wins. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, the monsters, we're finally at the point where the monsters look right. Like, I believe them. I believe in the yeah. gigant. Yeah. The gigant. I don't yeah. think the hair on Kong was as good as in Raya and the Lost Dragon. No, this, this, this is true. Yeah. It was very nice. Though. <laughs> but it was fine. <laughs> it was yeah. very believable. He was yes. a monkey and not a princess after Correct. all. Correct. So. One, one, one would forgive him that. Yeah. Okay. Final movie of this no, week's not podcast. Final. We're doing oh, four. yeah, that's right. Sorry, I'm looking at my my incorrect list. So next on the list is Ammonite, and I'll give us a quick intro to that. I think you got distracted by the Ammonite picture. <laughs> you know, I I may well have done. I'm looking at a different one now. I've moved on from the the one. So Ammonite, um, writer director Francis Lee brings us a movie uh, with it's a great cast. Uh, Kate Winslet, Saoirse Ronan, Gemma Jones uh, are in this. We have um, a very a very quick summary of the movie's plot is from IMDb, courtesy of IMDb. 1840s England, acclaimed but overlooked fossil hunter Mary Anning and a young woman sent to convalesce by the sea develop an intense relationship, altering both of their lives forever. So, um, again, director Francis Lee, uh, not somebody I'm super familiar with, but she's done a couple of movies, God's Own Countries. <laughs> oh, he. Yeah, so, there's, so you're so clear, not familiar. Not. Thank you, so Andy. not familiar with um, this. Uh, God's Own Country, The Last Smallholder Job. So, again, not, not a director that I'm clearly familiar with, but um, guys, what did you think of Ammonite? Okay. Um, so I have to start by saying, when I heard the cast, um, I was super excited. You know, any movie with Cheshire Ronan is going to be Oscar fodder. Generally, Kate Winslet picks really good, good things. So the two of them together is going to be, you know, amazing. And it came out around Oscar fodder time. Um, but actually, um, I think this is blue is the warmest color, 1840. <laughs> um, I think it just fell flat for me. I think this should have been a magnificent movie like, um, Portrait of a Lady. There was this great movie last about year. two years. Yeah. Last year, the year before, I think, um, it's all, yeah, it's uh, all blended. Yeah, yeah. It's all blended. 
There was a great movie, which was a period piece called Portrait of a Woman, which was a Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Thanks, Yazdi. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was a stunning piece about um, a same-sex relationship, period, um, set in France, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And this just really fell flat on his face because I couldn't buy the central relationship. I mean, other than the fact that these two women happen to be in the same building... I don't understand why they're together. Um, and so I couldn't build, the, I, I couldn't buy that central relationship. And so the whole movie fell flat on its face for me. I can talk more about it, but uh, not one of my favorites. And it didn't do well critically either in terms of award love. Yazdi. Yeah, so uh, Francis Lee, I think uh, I first noticed him because somebody recommended that I watch his previous movie, A God's Own Country. And it's it's on Netflix even now, right now, and it's almost like the male version of Ammonite. It's ah. it's set in uh, contemporary farmland in the UK, where this kind of uh, farmer's son who has problems with his parents and is kind of has no purpose in life, kind of. Uh, much to his own surprise, kind of builds a friendship with a Romanian immigrant who's working on the farm, and, they, and then then relationship kind of intensifies into something more. And that movie was just brilliant. I would recommend people to go back and, and look it out. Uh, Josh O'Connor, who is really big right now, mm-hmm. you know, he's on The Crown. He's in this uh, uh, production of Romeo and Juliet, which, which, is, on, which is on KPBS.org. Yes. He's one of the new rising stars in Britain. This was his first movie, or at least his first big movie. He played he played one of the two leads there. Uh and I think that movie really worked because the relationship between the two male leads was so believable. It was so electric and there was so much push and pull between them and all this weight of everything that was happening around them. I think Ammonite stands beautifully as a story. It's, by the way, based on an actual woman. The woman who is who Kate Winslet's character plays here, Mary Anning, she actually existed. And okay. she was one of the... She is one of the unregarded British paleontologists. And uh, it is true that a lot of her work got passed off. You know, things she had discovered got passed off um, by by the men who kind of acquired them from her and who pretended that they had discovered it. So it it speaks to, you know, this great, you know, disservice to women in, in science and as well as in, you know, archaeology in, in every field. So I, I, I like the setup of the story. I like, um, you know, history kind of assumes that there were no same-sex relationships ever, which is ludicrous. There always were through the beginning of time. Yeah. And how difficult it was, you know, through time for people to kind of express that or have, you know, a moment of, you know, I don't know, bliss or whatever, and then go back to your original life and so forth. But I think I agree with you, Rashmi. I think there are two reasons why this movie doesn't work as well as it could. Um, I'll talk about Kate Winslet in a second, but I just never bought any attraction between those two characters. And, you know, they're both fine, fine, fine actors. Above fine. Above fine. They're magnificent, both of them. But somehow, I don't know if it's in the writing or I don't know what it is. I never saw an attraction between them. I never saw any. There doesn't even need to be an attraction. I didn't even see a chemistry between them. Right. They were both kind of on two separate islands. So when they when they were together, it just seemed like somebody wrote in the script and now they are together. You know, I, I didn't actually buy it. And then the second thing which I didn't kind of appreciate was the ending of the movie, which I kind of found 
it, it didn't agree with everything else that had happened before in, in the movie. So it kind of felt like there was a push to maybe tack on some kind of a happy ending, but kind of grudgingly so. So it's neither here nor there. Um, so I think it's a shame because this movie is very pedigreed and God knows both of those actors are very committed. I mean, so Ronan plays this woman who is, you know, obviously very unhappily married off to this man with whom she has no connection and she's going through some kind of a mental situation but nobody understands her her extreme depression or whatever she's going through with an unhappy marriage and so you know her husband literally pushes her off and saying you should spend a few days off at the beach you know um, and then on the other hand the Kate Winslet character I mean I really give her credit because that character is never likable or lovely or sweet or kind. She's this prickly, prickly woman who kind of has become prickly because that's the only way for her to survive doing what she does in this, you know, in a man's world where there's no room for a woman paleontologist. So I, I really commend her for playing this very kind of thorny personality so I just wish that 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 main connection somehow would have happened and it doesn't yeah I feel like it's actually underwritten or over edited I can't decide which and it's a long movie but there's lots of you know long walks on the beach looking at the ocean wistfully and that should have been filled with more story I think like the 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 cinematography doesn't carry the story. You know how something like Nomadland is a feeling and the fact that you're in the in the van driving for hours, and I know this isn't a podcast about Nomadland, but I'm just trying to point out the fact that this movie needed more writing because it leaps and it telegraphs things that suddenly appear and you're like, where did that come from? Um, and then the thing that's telegraphed never appears. Um, so it just didn't, it just, it just falls flat on his face. I mean, I, I just, you know, it, it just didn't work for me at all. And that's so sad. I mean, it, it worked for me, but I, it didn't work for me to the extent and, that I And, expected. you know, a lot's been made. I'll give you the E, e True Hollywood uh, news moment about this one. So a lot's been made about there's a, there's a quite a large love scene between Cheshire Ronan and... Kate Winslet. I actually watched a Q&A about this, but they got to choreograph that themselves. Mm. Um, and they a big deal was made about the fact that these are two women and normally there's a big crew, but they tried to, you know, maintain some intimacy on the on the set while they were filming it and that they got to choose how they did it. And um, I think people wanted to watch it because of that. But um, it's not that good. I also think it's kind of definitely influenced and how can it not by other movies which preceded it like Blue is you know, the Warmest Blue Color Blue is the Warmest Color or even Carol I think they're really yes. they're really going for a Carol yes. kind of ending but it doesn't stick the landing correct um, but and, and I don't I don't have a problem with it being underwritten sometimes it, it does seem underwritten but I think it's deliberate because they, they want to convey a lot with like stares and glances and you know, portrait it all of sounds a, very wistful. It, yeah. yeah, it is very wistful. A portrait of a lady on fire also has a lot of stares. But it was so and, But good. it's so beautifully done. So I think, I don't know, maybe they hated each other's guts, you know, offset. You know, those two actors, although I find it hard to believe. But yeah. They're, they're, I, I, yeah, I think maybe with some other actors this might have worked. And although I can 
absolutely not fault either one of them. There just wasn't any chemistry. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'll give it a 7 out of 10, a, a generous 7 out of 10. Yeah, this one should be filed away like a fossil. Uh, 4 wow. out of 10. Whoa. Not 4. Come on. It's very watchable. No? <laughs> okay. I'd rather watch ads. <laughs> okay. Would you rather watch our next movie then, which is... Oh, my God. Thunder Force. Thunder Force. So... Which I think sounds like a fart. <laughs> like, thunder Force sounds like a fart? Yeah, like, you know, you have a lot of Thunder Force today. Oh, okay. I see it now. Oh, yes. I had something dodgy to eat. Got a bit of Thunder Force. Yes, yes. So I'll introduce this one. <laughs> so Melissa McCarthy, ever since she broke onto you know our, our natural you know our national consciousness, well, she was on television shows including uh, uh, Gilmore Girls, but you know she broke I broke out I think with uh, Bridesmaids. Uh, you know since her popularity, uh, I think at almost a regular pace, she and her husband have been make, you know churning out these movies, and this is. The latest in, you know, I think her husband writes and directs it and then she produces an accident. So this is the latest in the series of that. This one came, uh, it was uh, uh, released on Netflix and um, it has a pretty, pretty great uh, cast. It has Melissa McCarthy paired with uh, Octavia Spencer, Jason Bateman and Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale we don't see enough of is here as is Ben Falcone, Melissa's husband, and Melissa Leo is here as well. So a pretty good cast. And then the IMDb summary for the movie is that in a world where supervillains are commonplace, two estranged childhood best friends reunite after one devises a treatment that gives them powers to protect their city. So I haven't seen this one. I think the both of you have. Tell us. So how long is the running time on this one? The running time uh, one hour and 47 minutes of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's really that bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it's a really bad movie. It, this is so bad. Mm. I was waiting for this to get better. And the best thing about this movie is Jason Bateman. Mm. Yeah. Terrible, we, terrible movie. We couldn't sit through it on the first sitting. Mm. Like We, we watched actually it. had to have a break. Yeah, well, we just we just got we tuned out, and um, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, when and I was rooting for it. There was something me about too. this movie which really made me want to give it. A, you know, and I think a friend of ours had told us, you know, don't bother, and and so we were like, well, maybe there's something to to, to find here, and so we we sat down to watch it, and I was like, you know. It's it, it, Melissa it, McCarthy. It's correct. Octavia Spencer. I was like, I was like, here we go. Here's somebody being very snooty about their movie, um, their movie watching. You know, some, someone kind of being pseudo intellectual about <laughs> their their choice of movies, and um, y- you know, it's just a bad movie. I, I think for me, I'll I'll attempt to give it my analysis on on why i think it fails i really think that when ben falcone and melissa mccarthy work together there's something um i mean there there are a couple but i think melissa mccarthy is so inherently funny i think her her style of humor is very improvisational you know you can see from the outtakes of the various movies that she's in that a lot of stuff that comes out of the character's mouth is her just being very spontaneous in the moment, making uh, some very astute 
um, you know, very funny, Absolutely. biting little lines about the absurdity of whatever given situation. Um, and I think they didn't bother writing the scenes. They didn't bother writing the movie. I think they thought they'll just get away with using her star power energy. And she is very funny when she wants to be to carry this thing. And it shows in every other aspect of the movie. It's like Octavia Spencer. She struggled because she doesn't know what to do. She's playing the straight man to Melissa McCarthy's funny man. But when you do the straight man, straight being the straight guy often requires more comedic chops sometimes than, than being the funny guy. Uh, and Octavia Spencer couldn't carry that for me believably. So you kind of wonder what, what it's all about. And, and then the plot, and then, you know, right, like Rashmi said, Jason Bateman, um, really funny. He's, he's uh, a, a hero known as the Crab. Uh, not a hero, even kind of an anti-hero known as the Crab, a bad guy. He's, but, he, you know, he's very funny in that. And there's an example of somebody who, who did take the very little he was given Correct. and level it up. Uh, everyone else would just seem to struggle with the whole premise of it, so... Yeah, it was too bad. Melissa Leo, Bobby Cannavale. I mean, these are great actors. And I I think Joe hit the nail on the head. It's it's just, um, it's so forced. Yes. It's just. Under force. Literally. (laughs) um, And I'm just reading the comments on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's true. Melissa McCarthy makes good movies when she doesn't work with her husband. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think, you know, as profitable as, as it might be, I think just for their cumulative cinematic legacy, maybe they should give it a rest for a little bit, you know. Because, they, in, you know, in 2014, the two of them made a movie called Tammy with Susan Sarandon. I don't know if you saw that. That one was good because it was so abrasive and uh, there was a lot of kind of unpleasant kind of it made you squirm kind of energy. So it, I, I actually enjoyed it. And then they made the movie The Boss in 2016. Then they did Life of the Party in 2018 and Super Intelligence last year, which I seems to have, I have zero memory. It came out in 2020. So the, the quality of the work that this, the husband and wife are doing seems to be really going down and they shouldn't, it, it, they're really harming their legacy, I think. Yeah. Just, just, you know, churning out these disposable things. So it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy was Oscar nominated. She's she's in serious movies. She's a good actor. She's a great actor. Yeah, so. She's she's an incredible actor, serious and comedic. He's just not ver- a very good writer director. Yeah. I mean, Joe, I'd have to tell you, seriously. <laughs> if you wrote a bad piece of work, I would have to not work with you. <laughs> or not make a movie or with you. Or not make a movie with you. <laughs> Well, again, it, I, I think that the problem is he, he relied on her to make up for his shortcomings. And I think uh, when that works, it's great because this movie does have some genuine laughs in it. And we did get through it. Um, but, I mean... Eventually, yes. I was just interested enough to see it resolve. But, I mean, it was it was like a trip to the dentist, the second part. I was just like, do we, do we, ha- do we really have to do this? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to watch that, you know. But we got through it. And, and again, I think um, it's just the clumsiness. It feels very clumsy, very lazy. I think the premise doesn't quite work. Uh, and it's not trying to be, again, you know, like we were saying earlier about Mortal Kombat. I mean, it... it it seems to know its audience and its place. Um, you know, it's not trying to be, you know, one of those, um, you know, higher level comedies. But even as a slapstick kind of goofball, you know, 
uh, easy to watch type thing it 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 doesn't it doesn't work and uh, you can see you can almost see at one point Melissa McCarthy's discomfort at how hard she's having to work to make these scenes <laughs> do something like there, there's it's, it's there's visible pain <laughs> yeah i mean i think about something like deadpool right deadpool is not your stereotypical superhero movie and it was the first one that came along that was quite adult in its um, approach. And even if this had taken that type of approach, I think it would have been funny. But it, it again, it's tonally inconsistent. You know, it's trying to say something about gender and I think it's trying to say something about race, which it doesn't do very well, and um, fitting in and nerds and, 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 and. It, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. This is horrible. I can sum this up. This was an awful movie. Oh, my God. I want to give it zero. I'll give it one out of ten. No, you've never given it one. I'll give it one out of ten, and that one is for Jason Bateman, who was amazing. No, it's not one. Three out of ten. No. Yes, you didn't even watch it. I know. I want you to watch it. (laughs) No, I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) Exactly. That's a brutal slaying. Horrible. I'm going to be more generous. I mean, look, I I did get through it. It's a ten-point scale, Joe. I do think that there are a couple of laughs in it that are worthwhile, um, usually in the ending credits. Um, you know, they, and you can see the desperation. They're like, you know, as the credits roll, they're like, yeah, we've got a turkey here, so let's put some outtakes in. I mean, it's, it's literally that desperate. Um, I'm going to give it a four. It's just, it's just clumsy. It's, yeah. it's that. I think that's that's the word I'll Terrible. use. Too bad because again the talent is visible in every frame. Yeah. Just um, you know, just not not. I guess you can rely on talent uh, to to a large extent, but you got to do the work, and they yeah. don't think they did the work. I mean, I never thought Octavia Spencer would come across terribly in a movie. Yeah. She's, she's terrible. awful. Yeah, she's, she's like an terrible. acting school reject. Really, I, I mean, mean, like I wouldn't even. What is she doing? She here? needs to delete this one off her resume. But that's mm. the thing. I think she's just. She's ha- she's literally been handed like disastrous lines. I mean, she doesn't but but believe it herself. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bring the podcast to a close. Thank you for listening. Um, glad that we're finally kind of in a studio environment together. So that's that's been lovely. Thank you everyone for your support. We do podcast kind of intermittently these days. So I, I think at the, the beginning when I introduce it as weekly, it's total lie but um thank you for sticking with us um i guess until our next podcast which should be coming up quite soon too many movies too little time a goodbye from me and me and me as well <laughs> <laughs>